good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to this August 11th edition of the Ag Market Network, our monthly cotton teleconference. Uh, this program is sponsored by BASF. Uh, as you know, they're the owners of FiberMax and Stone Cottonseed, uh, and they make this program possible for all of our listeners, and we thank them for that. Uh, leading our program today will be Dr. O.A. Cleveland. Uh, he will be followed by a special guest. We don't always have a special guest, but we do have one today, and Steve McDonald with the USDA. But I will give him an introduction uh, when it's time for him to join in. So, O.A., thanks for leading us today. Thank you, Pat. And as I indicated on the uh, pre-call that uh, was a little short, I've actually not seen a hard copy of the report. I've only seen some uh, some numbers. But uh, I would say, first off, the, re- the report was uh, – they're surprising to the market. The last I saw, the market was up about, a, I'm going to just use a round number, Gerald, 150 points. So I don't know exactly where it is. Uh, but uh, I was very surprised with the crop production. I was uh, d- delighted to see that USDA this early in the year took such a big bite out of the prior production numbers. Uh, it, it's uh, it's very revealing as to just how much information we have heard about the neg- negativity of this crop. I have seen in the last two weeks some outstanding crops in Alabama, Georgia, and Mississippi. But uh, we continue to hear about the major difficulties in, in Texas and Oklahoma, uh, and certainly New Mexico. So that certainly came up and is showing here. Uh, if anything, I would say the crop might get a little bit bigger as the season progresses, but it could also get smaller. Uh, just the old cotton plant is just so resistant, it, it can come back. But it was a very positive report. I hesitate to call it a bullish report. I know probably most everybody else will because we've been in a sideways market for so long. Uh, there, are no, there are no bulls in this market. You've got a bunch of steers running around and you've got folks that are wanting to be bulls, but we're still no more, no higher than we were several months ago, and we still have the same trading range we've had since October, November. Uh, the, it, it was refreshing to see an increase in Chinese imports, but I have difficulty getting very bullish on demand, and that's where I, that's where I say a, a bull market has to come from. It has to be birthed on the demand side of the market, not the supply side. Uh, but the thing that caught me, and, and, and this is not a negative comment toward prices. I, I like prices where they are. I have difficulty getting much above 90 cents. We could go higher than that. But the thing that I noticed was that there was no increase in consumption in Bangladesh, India, uh, uh, Indonesia, those these cotton countries that are have been building Vietnam, that have been building their their their, produ- their consumption base. The major consumption increase came in China. Uh, and I, I mentioned Vietnam, and actually I've, I've lost those numbers in my memory now. I forgot what I was told a little while ago. But uh, all in all, certainly a very refreshing report. It will, I had uh, thought that this was going to be a, a uh, uh, objective field survey, but I was corrected, and uh, that was changed some, some years ago. Maybe, Stephen, you can tell us uh, exactly when that was changed. I've actually forgotten. But being in the old school, we used to have a, uh, a, a, an objective yield survey come out in August. But now the first actual farm on-farm yield survey doesn't come out until September. So uh, I think it was a, a very positive report. I, I commend NAS for uh, taking the big bite out of the bullet. Uh, and uh, as much as I have criticized 
other parts of USDA, I will have always said that they know more than I do, and we're, I'm very happy to have them in, in, in their position. Uh, so I'll just leave it at that and let uh, let y'all fill in my inadequacies. Thank you. Any, anyone else want to make a comment about the report before we introduce Steve? Could I just ask, it seems like there's a lot of interference in the background, and Maybe there's someone who hasn't muted themselves. Well, that that's true. Uh, did uh, is anybody in a place where there's a lot of noise? Because we can hear it. Yeah, there you go. Whoever that is, <laughs> if you would, please. I think. Do we have a new? Okay. Well, I apologize for that. I, I don't know what it is. Uh, let me let me look and see if I can see uh, where this might be coming from. I uh, I honestly don't know. It's the it's the usual cast of characters here that are. Uh, hold on just a second. Let me let me do one other thing. I might be able to to uh, this. Just stay with me just for a second, Brooke. Pat, why don't you just mute all those right now? I, I, I don't know that I can do that. Oh, okay. If, if okay. you'll give me just a second, I'll. Uh, I'm trying to. Uh, I'm trying to see if I can. Good God! <clears throat> Whoever that is. <laughs> just give me just another second here. Uh, features. Okay, I'll. Um, I'll go th through and we'll try to do that. Let me see if I can eliminate. Uh... All right, I'll, I'll, we, are, we are close to having this a little bit easier to, uh, to hear. You may have gotten it. Yeah, I, I think I got the person. I just don't know who it was. Okay. Sounds better. Yeah. Uh, well, let's let's go ahead and uh, and introduce our guest, and then we can circle back around and talk about the uh, the crop report. If anybody wants to to uh, talk about that later. Uh, we, uh, Our special guest today is uh, Steve McDonald. He's Fiber Analyst, World Agricultural Outlook Board, USDA, and he's going to talk to us about the difference between FAS and export, export data and census data on exports and how the USDA tries to reconcile it. And this is something, Steve, that we have oftentimes Pondered, so we're we're excited to have you on here and uh, and, and giving us your explanation of this. Thanks, uh, thanks a lot, Todd. Yeah, I'm I'm. Thank you so much for for having me here, and I do hate to uh, try not to take up too much time. I hate to step on an interesting report, but um, when when you guys suggested I do this, I couldn't resist because we, your know, USDA, the export number in the balance sheet is really important. You know, for driving, obviously, if we saw this, my production is 
is, is important. But then later on in the year, we're going to be counting on the exports. And, you know, for about 20 years, the, the export number in, in the WASDE was the export sales number. Um, and it was pretty cut and dried, and we all got used to that. And then, unfortunately, uh, several years ago, you know, the, the, uh, you know the cent- most of the commodities in the WASDE, the export number is the census number. You know, census reports foreign trade every month, and people will call that, tell you that's the official number. And, you know, right, it was like during, it was like 1997 that cotton switched from using census to using export sales, but because at the time we also had the step two program for export. So we had export data, and we could see that the step two data and the export sales data were more in tune and um, and we and we also had you know so we had two sources of data and when the step two data went away we stayed with export sales but then you know the through most of the 2000s you know the the census data was always a little more than the export sales uh, like two percent though sometimes less but then starting starting around 2014 it suddenly it's it was always more than export sales. And then we found ourselves in 2018 where the census data was like 8, 8.7% higher than export sales. And at the same time, we found that we're, our unaccounted was growing. And um, we got to thinking and realized that it's, there's, it's possible that the export sales data was no longer correctly reflecting sent, uh, actual exports the way we thought it should. And at the time, we observed that if we took the average of census and export sales, then all our other estimates, like of ending stocks, production, imports, we could make our unaccounted you know, go away pretty much. And so we figured that was an indication that we were on to something. And so uh, we did this change in 2019. We revised back a couple of years. And so it's, since 2019, the, the, uh, at the end of the year, USDA's official export number is the average of what the Bureau of the Census reports and the export sales reports. And um, it's, it seems like a more appropriate way to, to capture the amount of cotton that was actually leaving. I mean, if we continue to use export sales, we'd have like 5 million more bales in ending stocks. You know, that's just not really, that can't, that's not right. We know that's not right. So it's, it's very, it's, it's imperfect. And, um, you know, this year we again find it's looking like we're almost having a six percent difference between census and export sales, and like almost you know six seven hundred thousand bales. So what we're what we're we'll have to wait one more month before we get final census data. But in a sense, what we're doing now for the marketing year twenty two export uh, number in the in the WASDE is you take your export sales number and add like 325,000, bales. Again, well, in another month, we'll, we'll get that squared away uh, with the final census data. But it's, uh, it's, been a, it's, very un, it's an unfortunate problem, and it's, it's a shame to lose the clarity of just simply using export sales. But Because I, I know it's, we tried to publicize it you know, through the USDA publications, but that's, that's only got so much reach. And so I uh, appreciate you guys having me on to, you know, to kind of, mentioned it to another to to an audience you know another audience we did an, a, a um because i know it's, it's not always something that that people recognize and i and i do hate to surprise them on the ending stocks number so uh that's that's sort of the, the gist maybe if you guys have some 
but you can draw out something that interests you on that on that or some clarifications that are like the best way to go forward. Uh, Stephen, this is Gerald. Um, are there any subtle reporting differences that might account for some of the the difference in in the in the in the weights or the the bales? I mean, well, there's go ahead. You know, there is a, the franchising aspect. You know, the the census data is based on bills of lading submitted by the freight forwarders, and you know, so there is that it, it it incorporates you know to some extent. Um, I mean, you know, some the initial like the the initial bills of lading, I think, actually, or the initial proposal by the freight forwarders often surpass actual exports. You know, and they tend to get revised down once the year is over. But but there is still incorporated in those bills of lading uh, some franchising. You know, where there's you know, sort of a, in a sense a a statement of of the weight, which is you know, perhaps more than actually will, will be there when the cotton arrives. And so uh, that's that's one aspect of why, in general, you'd expect census to be bigger than export sales. That And it, the explanation of why there's a trend in the difference is, is not as obvious. It's possible that some of that comes from the, you know, countries like Japan and Korea, I suppose maybe going back in the day, Europe, you know, they you wouldn't do, necessarily do that franchising because you had a, the relationship and the legal situation was didn't you know, necessitate that, and those countries are no longer in the picture, so that could drive things up to some extent. Um, you know, it's worth noting that if you look at this difference in census and export sales by country, it's not every country, and, and China does kind of show up as a as a big one. Of course, they're also just a they're a big they're also a big you know customer too. So um, there's not a lot of good answers as to why uh, the difference has grown. Um, you, you might explain to our audience what franchising is. Okay, yeah. That, well, the, explain the, the, to me. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. I, I have to admit, well, the first time I heard it, I was like, yes, I had. I said, what? Um, the, the basic idea is that, you know, there's no, when you, the weight of a, shipments of cotton is not going to be, never going to be exact. And, you know, there's range, and a, a contract will have a range. And then, you know, at, at the end, when the, when the customer receives the cotton, you know, they're not expected to pay for cotton they didn't get, and they're not going to um, take any. If you don't want to give them any free cotton, uh, but then if it goes, if this cotton goes to some country where you know they, I don't know, people might not quite pay promptly. You don't want to send them any extra cotton, so you you always it, it would be. In the case of some countries with legal systems and uh, and so forth that are not conducive to prompt um, uh, you know recovery of of the extra money, you make the point of never sending them too much cotton, which means you're always going to send them a little less. And so the you know in the, in the course of that, the um, that it's uh, going to be on the low end of whatever whatever range is possible on the shipment and the contract, and that's going to going to show up. You know the export sales data would be based is, is, is legally meant to be how what the cotton is you know it's not a it, it's distinct from the other aspects that sh- that derive the bill of lading data so uh, as a result so, is, is, yeah go ahead so if I understand you correctly you're saying that you know when you you're setting up a shipment most guys will add a couple of pounds two or three pounds to a bale and if it weighs more than you know once they they weigh it at the landing, you know. If it weighs, if it weighs uh, 
more there. It's easier or less there. It's easier to pay the mill than to try to collect from the textile mills. That's right. Yeah, you're. you're I, I that's think right. that's what you're saying. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to say. Thank you. <laughs> you're right. Uh, <laughs> you, 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 you've known about this longer than I have. <laughs> Stephen, uh, OA here. I, I, I promise when I asked Gerald to reach out to you to get you on the program, of course, I promised that I wouldn't ask any questions. And I'm sincere in saying this is not a question. It's a comment <laughs> that I just asked was to, to take under consideration. If I'm, I may not be understanding any of this, and, 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 and that could easily be true, but why the difference in census versus export sales is, I would suggest, not important. What's important is to reach that final export number. And if, in fact, if I understood you correctly, the official number in other crops and other field crops is the, is the census data, I would uh, just ask uh, USDA WASDE to consider going to census data for cotton because I feel like the market gets jerked around a great deal because the market does not know quite exactly what's going on. And I say that from reading different uh, market analyst reports uh, and, uh, and, and my own thoughts in the report that I write. I'm never sure exactly what we're writing about when we write about exports. We, for so long, just relied on whatever USDA said the, the export sales report showed, and, and that was our number. And then, uh, I, again, I, I, I appreciate and, and congratulate USDA and WASDA for the different approaches that you have taken and the adjustments and obviously the work and time that's gone into trying to figure out exactly what's going on. I think that is highly important. I think that definitely should continue. But at the same time, I would just ask consideration that you go strictly to the census data if that is the final number that supposedly U.S. Uh, the, the United States data system says is, is the final number. And I appreciate your comment about taking averages, but... Month after month, I think it sends incorrect information to the market. And the market is what we want to protect. The market is what we want to think is accurate month after month. Uh, so I just ask that that go into consideration and thank you for your long history in your USDA and your, and your long history as well with respect to the cotton and wasp. Thank you again. Oh, well, thank, thank you, O.A., and, and I understand... Yeah, yes. The simplicity and clarity of using expo, um, census is is very appealing. Unfortunately, the balance, if we use census, then we just, I mentioned how if we use export sales, we'd have 5 million bales extra in the balance sheet. If we use census, I think we would, we would be running out of cotton. There'd be nothing in the balance sheet. There'd be no ending stocks. And we do have estimates of, of ending stocks, which are, we consider reliable. And the one, one big difference for instance, to use corn as an example, um, they use they don't know what consumption is, so they they don't know what feed demand is, and that's what most that's like the, one of the biggest components of end use for corn, but they call it feed and residual. So they just if the if their export number is wrong, they just bury it in the consumption number, which is which is not a real which is which is the residual from everything else. They get their stocks number. 
production census exports, and there's there's no way of knowing. Um, and it's just uh, the, the the consumption is larger and can vary it. We you know we don't we actually we have data from you know that uh, that tells us what consumption is um, for cotton. So we can't. We, you know, we can't just bury the, the uh, residual in there or make you know, balance everything on the on the consumption number because that's reported. But the main thing is the the census data is in fact too high for us to use. Uh, it, we the, the the ending stocks. The, I guess I should have the number here with me, but I don't. Um, we just we w we would not have enough ending stocks, and we do have estimates of ending stocks that are that we have reasons to believe. The latter from warehouse dip warehouse data is yeah the the BMS warehouse inventory is, is, okay yeah, that's right that's the largest part of it plus there's a two month delay in the census data Isn't well we would right? for, for example let's just say if we adopted census data starting in 2015 we'd have to take two and a half million bales out of ending stocks as of now. And actually, even more when we when we when we do it this year. So it's it's um, it is it would be it would make it easier to track for sure if we were using the census number. And but I think, like I say, I, I think the reason other commodities use the census numbers is because they can get away with it. You know, they don't if they measure if they actually knew what consumption was of, of corn, I think then they they'd have to, um, well. There'd, there'd be a, there'd be an interesting residual which would make which would make them think you know there's been various issues going on in the last year about you know as with reporting of corn sales and so forth I mean you know none of these none of these numbers are perfect that's that's the sort of the bottom line any other any other questions well, let's just open it up for any comments, any thoughts from our group. Uh, back to the report or, or anything else anyone would like to discuss. I was just going to ask John. Uh, John, you know, USDA came out today with a yield for Texas of 517 pounds, which was that's the lowest Texas yield since 2003. So I'm thinking... Could that be possible? Either you know, either they haven't cut out enough acres, which would drive, I think, the remaining yield up, or that they just haven't accounted for, you know, well, I I get I don't know if they've accounted for enough abandonment in Texas just yet. I, I could mean, believe I could believe low. I could believe the latter. I could also understand the confusion based on. What happened this year, it, we had these untimely rains in the late planting period. I think that got a lot of the late planted dryland regions of Texas planted and merged, and there's something there, which is not the usual situation when we're in a drought. That stuff is toast, and we know it's right. toast. This year, I think there's a standing crop there. It's going to be that much more difficult and or that much more late to figure out is that is that dry land in La Mesa going to yield something? Is that dry land in Haskell going to yield something? I you know I don't know. It it may get decided very late in the game with you know post or no pre harvest crop insurance bowl count you know an adjustment. 
or not. So I, that's my explanation for why things are more uncertain than normal. And other than that, you know, my standard answer is who the hell knows? Texas is too large of a sample area, and it's and it's just a weird year. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, well, let's go around and ask everybody's opinion of the market and where we might go. I am going to tell you, uh, Steve, we're not going to ask your opinion of where the market's going to go. We're just going to <laughs> He's not restricted. He's not restricted by law anymore. Uh, uh, well, uh, just just okay. by common sense. Oway, I know you wanted to to, to contribute first. So, Oway, what are your thoughts on on what prices might do? Uh, your ideas about wants are terribly skewed, but I will go first. I don't mind. I prefer to go after Gerald in case there are any corrections that need to be made. But, uh, <laughs> Gerald, I didn't hear anybody else laugh. That's who I wanted to laugh. <laughs> but uh, uh, I think a lot of folks, or some folks I've talked to anyway, thought, uh, well, this market's going to be limited up now. Uh, and Again, what I think what the numbers tell us is not only how, how weak the crop is this year, but it tells us in a different sort of way that we still have major demand problems. And I, I'm always amused when people say in this kind of market we're talking about the bulls and the bears. Well, we've been trading 76 cents to 88 cents for a year. Well, that's not true for since what, what – I can't count November talks since yeah, November. November. So you know, I don't you know, I don't find any bulls in here. As I said several weeks ago, we've got a bunch of steers and we're just trying to fatten each other up. But uh, you know, I can see this market getting up into the into the very low nineties, uh, based on fundamentals. It's uh Kip said a couple of months ago it's very dangerous to fool with fundamentals in a market such as this. But uh, I just don't see the demand. I don't see the possibility of any demand until March. I mentioned earlier that China is buying, yes, but we did not see an increase out of WASDA on Bangladesh, India, uh, Indonesia, those other cotton-rich countries, as we would call them from a, a consumption standpoint. So uh, that's, uh, the trading range still stands, in my, uh, my opinion. Uh, the wider range of somewhere around $0.76, cents, up to the top of somewhere around 90, uh, 91 cents. But realistically, I think the bottom has probably come somewhere uh, 82, 83, and probably yeah. as high as 83 now. But uh, the, the the top is, is, is we've pushed it back a little bit, uh, back up toward the 90, 91, 92 cent level. But I just don't see the market uh, getting much higher than that simply because we have a lack of demand. Now, come March, I would possibly anticipate a higher uh, in, increase uh, or an increase in demand or the possibility of, of a stronger demand. But we've still got some more inflation problems based on the numbers we're seeing now. Uh, yes, we're very proud, and certain news stations talk about our the inflation has has come down and it's not a big problem, but you take nine uh, percent last year, add three percent to it over a two year period, uh, that gets pretty high. And looking at the producer price index, it tells us uh, that we we still have some major major components there. 
Uh, we're seeing downgrades in particular stocks, uh, uh, banking stocks. It tells us that the banking system is still under a lot of pressure, and I think that's going to play on commodities. Uh, so that's my that's where I am. I'll just shut up and uh, hand it over to the experts. All right, John, what are your thoughts? <laughs> All right, this expert says eighty-two ninety-two. I, I think it's as possibility, and you know, it wouldn't take it would take one more problem to get us three or four cents higher than where we are right now, which is what eighty-seven, eighty-nine. Is that where December settled? So, yeah, we could be in the low ninety. So, I'll just slap a ten cent range on there. All right, Gerald. Um, yeah, I think that there's really good buying underneath eighty-three cents. Um, and if we were to fall that far again, there's probably a pretty good reason for it. So I, I think we could maybe even run down to 80, so 80 to 83 cents maybe on, on the low side. And, uh, you know, 90 to 90.50 is, is kind of a target. Uh, another target is around 95 cents. Um, I, think, I think, you know, 90 to 91 is much more likely than, than, than 95 cents, but uh, you, you just never know. So let's just call it. Uh, you know, 80 to 83 cents on the low side, you know, 90 to 93 cents on the, on the high side. But uh, I think we're going to have to work to, to get up to, to the 90s. That's, that's for darn sure. I, I think maybe we got as, about as high as we could get um, today, short term, and then it's, we're going to have to see, as, the, as always said, we're going to have to see some demand step up to the plate to, to, to get us over that 90-cent hump. Okay. Well, let's go back and just open it up for any comments anyone wants to make. Any questions, any thoughts about about any issues? Stephen, thank you very, very, very much for agreeing to participate. Uh, well, thank you for asking. And, and, and hopefully uh, Pat and Jerry will invite you again. Well, it's, uh, you know, we, we, we broke the ice. <laughs> there you go. Well, I also want to thank you for being with us. Uh, and, uh, Oway, thanks for leading us. And, Steve, we hope we can have you join us again. Very informative. Uh, thanks for our listeners. And that concludes this edition of the Ag Market Network.